1: and cream on Hale Varsity Radio with Andrew Rogers and Damon Benning. This is Fred Hoiberg. It's been a long time. The last time we saw you guys was December 10th against Purdue when you were unbelievable. No real live practice to get ready for this one, so we'll see how the legs are for the Wildcats. Look at Tomeinaga driving to the rim to start things off. That's the scary thing about a zone is you're in an area not with a man. Ooh,
2: Devin Dawson. A little frustration taken out of the rim.
3: Uh, we didn't come out with the right mindset tonight. Uh, you know, like I said, we lacked the, the energy we needed.
1: Welcome to Omaha, our CBS Sports Network triple header continues with Big East action between St. John's and Creighton. Alexander the lob, and Colt the finish. And that'll do it.
0: Blue Jays put 104 on the board tonight and they roll over St. John's. You, you, you never know what you're going to get after an eight-day break. Uh,
1: I thought our preparation was really good, especially our scout team. Uh, the look that
0: they gave us in particular on Monday, uh, I think opened our eyes to what we were going to see with, with St. John's and I thought our preparation yesterday was better um, and that was indicative of the way we played today coffee and cream
4: in the morning on Hale Varsity Radio powered by Currency. He's Damon Benning. I'm Andrew Rogers. Happy to have you with us on this Thursday morning, live from the H&H Chevrolet stage at Hale Varsity Club. 590 ESPN Omaha, 1480 ESPN Lincoln. We're live on Twitter. We're live on YouTube. And I'd like to say good morning to kick things off here because it was a good morning for Creighton fans out there. If you were a Husker fan attending the game at Pinnacle Bank Arena last night, that one was a tough one to swallow. Tough one to watch.
3: Yeah, two different, two different discussions. I think for a couple of different reasons. I guess are we starting with Creighton? Let's we'll start, start with Creighton. With, let's start with Creighton because they did put a Ben Franklin on the Johnny's last second night. time this year. Yeah, Coach Anderson. Just, I don't. It's an interesting team, right? You think they're going to be good? You, I think some folks in college basketball want the Johnnies to be good. I, they're just not. Defensively, they're supposed to be good. Yeah, and Creighton has Creighton's done a number on them uh, and continues to kind of do so, I think. Just their ability to get any sort of looks they want to, whenever they want to. Then they got into transition, and you let that team get rolling, and it gets circusy. <laughs> we saw it last night. It was like trick shot central, and – were they ever going to defend Kalkbrenner on no, the lob? I mean it's just weird. I I don't know if that's a team that likes to always to ice ball screens and just couldn't figure out drop coverage. Or what, but I mean, you let Creighton shoot fifty seven percent, thirty seven percent behind the arc. They were they went to the foul line twenty one times. it's just too good of an Talk offense. Confidence. I, I mean that's I I didn't recognize what was going on, but after the layoff, you have to be encouraged, and this is the stretch that I look I to. I don't even recognize what with we're three doing. of those three of the three out of the four of these next four at mm-hmm. home. Creighton has a chance to get a little more cushion for the pushing, while the rest of the Big East still tries to figure it out. In particular, I mean maybe UConn isn't very good. <laughs> Where did I, they go? I still think it's their backcourt. I I just they just can't find consistency with the guard play. Xavier jumped all over them uh and really didn't look back. I know UConn made the late rally, but I mean Xavier basically would they start out nine nothing mm-hmm. something 13, something like I that? I mean it was yeah. something like that, and you know they trailed the or they were ahead the entire game, so. I guess maybe you look at Pro- at Marquette. They have they seem to have Creighton's number right now. Offensively, their efficiency is, is the best in the country. Uh, you know, you look at the metrics. You know, Creighton handled Providence. You're not going to expect much, or do you? Villanova's not very good. Uh, I think health is an issue for them. I just, I mean, who's next? I you know, mean, do you like, do you trust Seton Hall? No. I don't. I don't trust Seton Hall. I don't trust Providence. Creighton. Providence it, can't score enough, I don't think, for Creighton.
4: I'll tell so. you what, too. Uh, Creighton is in a great spot. We talked to John Fanta on Tuesday, and he said, buy in now before Creighton yeah. gets going again. Why did he say that? Well, it's because, based on what he was seeing with the total outlook of the Big East, Creighton was the second or third best team, but they're not resting in that position right now. Don't be shocked if Greg McDermott wins his Big East championship this he year. He thought
3: long and hard about that too, didn't he? He says, I have a gut feeling <laughs> that even though I think we kind of arrived or he arrived at, he felt like Marquette was probably the best team in the Big mm-hmm. East, right? And you've I have been had, saying that for a month. Well, now. I don't know about best. Don't give me that credit. I'd like to take it. I just felt like they looked like they had the ingredients to be really good. That I think if we went back and looked at your tweet, it <laughs> insinuated something completely different. I mean, maybe. Take credit <laughs> for it, dude. I, I, because I don't know if I thought that real time, like, gosh, are they going to be the best? I just was like, man, they're pretty good. Mm-hmm. Like, they just have a lot. They, they weren't getting ha- credit either at that they time. Just have, because they had the same guys back. Right, they're doing it in an unconventional mm-hmm. manner. The story, uh, and I wanted to see if we could go back and post it, because with the hard out, I think we lost the back end of the Marquette story that that John Fanta was talking about with Shaka Smart, just going back to development, putting together his staff, hiring a G League guy. Just the whole story, The you know the retreat that they went on where Shaka Smart said 90% of the discussion was led by the players, which I think is – it's kind of how you have to do it. I mean, I, most coaches will tell you the good teams are player-led. player, player mm-hmm. led. Yeah, the ones that you sit back and relax. Yeah, it's the, – the the less coaching of culture you have to do and the more football or basketball or, you know, whatever it is, sport that you're coaching. Let the, them coach themselves the, and you guide them the, to the, – the, the better off your team's going to be. The and right lane. So I just look at the way that they're playing, and, you know, they still have to come they, – they still have uh, – the the you know, the last third of the big East season to play, but Creighton's just got a stretch on their schedule where I I think they can make some hay and it will remind people of what they fell in love mm-hmm. with in the preseason. Now And in Maui. Yeah. Still- I mean this is a team this is what that
4: game reminded me of. This team in Maui. The performance in Maui where all five guys contributed and scored where their experience outweighed everything else on the floor and let's not forget once the Maui trip was concluded and Kalkbrenner went out with sickness mm-hmm. that's when it kind of spiraled downhill but now as we're starting to pick back up in Biggie's play you remember that big guy down low that can not only score but can
3: guard hey he only missed one field goal last night right And that's how it works with them. So they had three bench guys that got into double digits in terms of minutes played. King, Farabello, and Sharif Mitchell. Uh, I think 13, 17, and 11, respectively, in terms of minutes. Can you do that? And if you have to win three games in whatever, it's going to be five days, assuming they're going to get a a quality seed. But this is – I think this is the stretch on the schedule, and I I get it. I get it. I get it. I get it. Coach speak. Coach speak. But it's real, one game at a time. Because you stub your toe in one of these next three, then all of a sudden it's like uh, we just can't, just can't catch momentum. I mean, I think you had to go four and zero, especially like I said, with three of them at home. Uh, They may just be getting started. Balanced scoring, good
4: ball control, solid defense, which all led to that word I used just about two minutes ago confidence. Mm-hmm. They are a confident group right now. After an eight-day break, sometimes you wonder if, if a team will come out flat. And this team had no inkling of doing that. Now, St. John's hung around early on in this basketball game, but Creighton had their way with this team. Offensive board after offensive board. Contesting without fouling on defense.
3: That is a crucial point to add because that is, that is one of
4: the best parts to Creighton's game, in my opinion.
3: Uh, now, you did allow 11... 11- Offensive rebounds with eleven second chance points. Okay, I mean, are you? If we're gonna get, <laughs> if we're going to get really <laughs> critical, nit- 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 nitpicky. I uh, but I think you're okay with St. John shooting forty six percent.
4: And uh, when did some of those offensive boards come in? I don't know if you if second you half, second half of the second half, right when the bench is in. Yeah. So and. The, uh, Frankly, let's talk about the bench for a second. By the, by night's end, Creighton's bench was going toe to toe with St. Yeah. John's starters. Yeah.
3: Which that's uh, what I was saying. You got three three guys that came off the bench, got to double digits in in minutes. Can you build on that? Because I think you're I think you're gonna you have. We've seen enough now, right? You're convinced mm-hmm. that you need more than just the five. I mean, I go, depth is kind of only overrated unless you get into foul trouble. <laughs> <laughs> but I just think you, I just think you need another punch or two mm-hmm. coming uh, coming off the bench, and, and, and we'll see what happens. Overrated in games, underrated in practice. Nonetheless, Creighton and Mason Miller got the double digits too. He got to eleven minutes. Mm-hmm. And how about that, that's uh, four? How that's, about Yates? That's that's well, he's kind of been creeping in. Right? Remember during the, sh- the the kind of the lull, and everybody was like, "Wow, I is is pushing the Yates button." Right? Four minutes. <laughs> he played four minutes, and he cashed three threes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 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 efficient. Efficient. Hey,
4: they leave you hungry for more. Speaking of hungry, let's get to our poll question today halfway through this segment, and then we'll talk a little Nebraska basketball. Out of the four, if you were door-dashing fast food to a college basketball game, what's your craving? Is it McDonald's, Taco Bell, Chick-fil-A, or Popeyes. You can go to Hale Varsity Radio and vote. Why is this the poll question today, DB? Well, I'm happy you asked, because in last night's Loyola Chicago basketball game, were they playing Duquesne? Yeah. I can't remember who they were playing. It was Duquesne. 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 Yes. Onto the floor comes an Uber Eats I didn't driver. I did see this real time. <laughs> a Doordasher. But you know what? Sh- what strikes me as <laughs> it, what put me in complete shock i should say does he it's, appear to not know that a game was going on well not only that but so you you door to the game mm-hmm. right whoever door DoorDash door dashed to the game yeah, this, this guy good. has to get into the game yeah so do you have to buy a ticket like do you have to like go to the go to the ticket window get a five dollar yeah, ticket i
3: can't imagine he's doing that but you how do you come get in and, and then how do you get
4: court side yeah like uh, how do you get onto the walk,
3: walked on the onto floor. the tunnel yeah
4: Where did you come from? Like, you can't just go down the bleachers. think security's getting a talking to? Right, and and nobody stops you. Let alone, this guy enters play. He comes to the corner where the ball is being passed down low, and the ref is waving him off, and he's holding his McDonald's bag or whatever it was, his Uber Eats order for somebody. He
3: is doing some good things. Uh, And by the way, in just year two, is it time to have some speaks about Drew Valentine? at Loyola Chicago. Not a good not a good basketball mm-hmm. program right now since the departure of Porter Moser. Um and it's just interesting. Is Sister Jean still around? Yeah, I think that would have been like a a story that would have been like a a front page breaking news story Of Guess how old Sister Jean is? Uh Give me a plus or minus year, a year. Yeah, yeah. I'll give you a plus or minus a year. Or two. Ninety four.
4: She's a hundred and three.
3: Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> yeah. Century mark for Sister Jean.
4: <laughs> hundred and three. Sister Jean. Nineteen the nineteen. Time has come. I think that's Christian.
3: <laughs> oh, my bad. <laughs> Sorry about that. I just want <laughs> this is one one of those names, man. I don't know. because I saw and it was just interesting because I saw St. Thomas at the at the prep west side game. You don't see very many six six, you know, six seven striking guys like this, just kind of hanging out. And it just got me thinking: like, what is the state of Loyola Chicago's mm-hmm. program right now? But that's kind of a side moment. But can I get back to the poll question? Yeah, go ahead. We had McDonald's, Chick Fil A, Taco Bell, and Popeyes. Wow, I think you probably picked the four most. I would imagine, because they're all not just regional. Chick-fil-A's right. are everywhere. Right. Taco Bell's, I don't know about the Southwest. They have Taco Bell's in the Southwest, though. They have their other littles.
4: I feel like that's just like a, a drunk college kid's joint. Okay. So
3: that's we why We know I McDonald's is a national brand. Taco Bell's a national brand. And Popeye's. Popeye's national? You know, I don't remember seeing very many Popeye's in Montana, but... I was only there twice. You know, I, I just realized that I put two chicken places on here, Popeye's and Chick-fil-A. Oh, that's okay. You, so, I know mine for sure of those four. It's not even... Not even close. Not even close. Yeah, did You're, you
5: say a pizza place?
3: No. How are you... Do are you, are you, are, you know any fast food pizza places?
5: Uh, like Domino's. I mean, I mean, is like that fast guy, food or carry?
3: Hey, where's your the, jam, where's your the, jam chain? The, the guy the, that the, lives
5: oh. the guy that lives below me in the apartment below me every single day he Door Dashes or whatever it is and he gets Domino's. Every
4: well, you day. can Door Domino's Dash
3: Olive Garden. Domino's is ch- is pretty cheap.
4: It is cheap pizza it because is. you can get the two for five ninety nine. The last
3: two times, Zoe's needed a babysitter for a an extended period of time. Domino's has been the go to for the babysitter. Just because that's what the babysitter chose, or I'm that's pri- what Zoe wanted? Um, Zoe wouldn't pick I'm the babysitter. The babysitter. Domino's? Yeah. If I knew you were buying we're catering Charleston's. <laughs> <laughs> hey, what's on the Would you like salmon delivered? They have fantastic... That's what I would get at Charleston.
4: I don't know if I would want my fish... People yap about the bread. Like sitting in a container and then making its way to me. See,
3: your boy... See, I pick restaurants based on how well their food travels. Because not a lot of times I like to sit in there. Mm -hmm. That's why I love Firebirds. No no endorsement opportunities, but... (laughs) Uh, Their food... Because everybody's kind of up their uh, to-go containers. It's all about the container. It is. Actually it is.
4: Because <laughs> it, depending on how much the meal sweats in that container, it can
1: kill yeah. it
3: yeah. completely.
4: Yeah, see your boy your, can your, your, your
3: boy doesn't get things like fries and tater tots even though I love tots. But, but that can like steam the whole Thank goodness for an air fryer. Hey, b- oh. Man. Because if your fries thank, get soggy on thank, the way there. Thank goodness for my mom and the ninja she got me. Listen. So you know what people have started doing in their containers is they have the little flap that opens. It's just a little itty bitty. It's like a sweat flap in the plastic container. Have you noticed? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like so. That's what I use because I have a smoking gun now, where you can smoke your food with just the little gun. That's sweet. So I was, you know, I was trying to figure it out. And a lot of people have like the little glass lids and stuff where you put the deal in so the smoke can't escape. I use the plastic container for Mike Leave to you. Micah and I just did it the other <laughs> night. We made we I I hit the shrimp with a little smoke before we we seared them in the skillet because he likes to cook. He held the tube for I'll I'll show you on Twitter. I don't know if he wants me to put him on Twitter, but put him on blast. Um, Chef Micah. No, he does like he calls him his nickname is Breeze. He calls himself Chef Boyar Breeze. <laughs> Hey, I gotta say, at least this, he's clever. Listen, I told you they're, they're they're polar opposites, and I think he much enjoys talking to his his older sister than he does Caleb because they, when they go back and forth, it gets a little dicey. Because Caleb, Mike is extremely smart, and, and mm-hmm. Caleb is is Mike is just more patient, okay? right? So we're in the car yesterday, and we hadn't talked about the Prep West Side game since. We didn't talk about it, really. So I pick him up from school. They have early dismissal. This is my 12-year-old. And I told him we were going to call him. And he know what he said? You need mornings with Micah. This, this, this kid. I, I got, we're going to call. We'll impromptu call him tomorrow morning. You watch. He's something else. So he gets in the car. <laughs> I, I'm writing
4: this down first off. Listen, he get, this, this is happening. He
3: gets in the car. He says, hey, a uh, little, little, little late. My basketball bag got jammed in my locker okay it's fine it's not late at all so he comes out and he gets in the car and he goes so i'm dead dog serious so thoughts on the game last night i go well i'm not i'm not super happy you know this 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 and this i said i'd like to have been a fly on the wall in that film session and he goes dad josh Luki is the best coach in the state i go what he goes low. Key, he's tapping my arm. Low key, low key, low key, Dad. <laughs> Again, haven't seen him all day. This is what he started, Dad. Low key, low keys tapping my arm. Yeah, Micah. He was on that offensive and defensive substitution game all all game. I mean, he knew what he was trying to do. I'm like, hey, I, I'm guessing you haven't talked to your brother because he wouldn't want to hear any of this, right? He goes, No, that's why. That's why I rather just talk to Maya about it. I was like, Wow. Get out of the car. But anyway, mornings with Micah would be uh, – because that's how he thinks. So we can just surprise him yeah. at any moment. Any moment. And he's t- ready. He might be in the car now. I'm telling you. It, it, it's just unbelievable. We, I take him to his training session, and he, it's, it's on the brain. I take him to his training session, and he's going to be pretty okay, right? Mm-hmm. So he's, he's warming up. He's supposed to be lifting. It's not even basketball. He's dribbling out there or doing something, and his trainer asks him. He says, "Hey, so are, are you West Side bound too?" Micah goes, "Well, that depends." Huh? Uh, on what? <laughs> so I, I and I know there's there, and so I was thinking because is he going to play for the best coach in the state? His mom, his 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 mom lives close to Westview, and I know he likes Coach Runco. So I was thinking, okay, West Side or or mm-hmm. Westview. Right. He says, well, what if I want to go to prep? I was like, oh, boy. Yes. <laughs> and leave it to him. I mean, it's just, but our fan, full disclosure, like our family likes Josh. So it's like right. I get it, right? And I, I just was with him. Well, I wasn't with him. He was with his staff. I saw him out on Friday night, but certainly not going to be the prep recruitment hour. But I, I just, that's just how he thinks. We are we, we didn't argue. We got into it last night because we were talking about Larry Bird. I told you he's a big Larry Bird guy. He Googled his stats. And I said, you know, he only, I just was telling Andrew, he only played, God is my witness. What, 10 full seasons? Was 10 it? full seasons. He goes, yeah, and 30% of those he was an MVP. And they're like, oh. <laughs> I'm like, this little dude is something else. I mean, like, that's unbelievable. Like. He knows, and I told you yesterday. I was mm-hmm. like, "How about going back to back to back with MVPs?" Mm-hmm. Right? His stats, because we were talking about Hall of Fame stats, right? And why baseball is so staunch on metrics when other sports don't seem to be near as numbers-driven. Right. Right. I mean, Lynn Swan and Lynn Swan was in. It took Art Monk eighty-eight years. Right. I mean, it's like. Art Monk has significantly better stats. Lynn Swan got in first, right? Signature moments, whatever. And
5: Art Monk, uh, he was the NFL all-time leading receiver for quite a while before Jerry Rice. Yeah.
3: Just, just weird, right? Just, and Steve Largent. Just weird.
4: We'll try to get into more of that later on. So- sorry, in,
3: Nebraska basketball. I apologize. <laughs> the show. I just It's just what I'm dealing with. Right. <laughs> Which I love. I mean, it, frankly, he's, we, he's very sports savvy. We'll, we'll touch
4: on Nebraska basketball in the next segment. We'll also touch on a, a –
3: Let's just say By the a way, debate, I'm, taking, I'm taking Popeyes.
4: A debate going on Twitter regarding Husker football and the situation that they're in prior to the season. Is it one thing or is, the, or is it the other? If you've been following along on Twitter, we'll
3: touch on that And next. it started amongst school. It's, mm-hmm. It started with a, a guy that I follow on Twitter. He's a fan. Jim in Minnesota was going back and forth with Scott Doctorman. Then Sip has his kind of deal, and he calls it a reset, then all of a sudden it's like, and I normally don't interject, I try not to interject myself, but it's such a fascinating discussion, because at the end of the day, I mean, we'll get into it. Well, and it's great,
4: because perspectives go one way. And it it matters on how you view the upcoming season. Brandon Vogel at 7.45. We'll talk to Cynthia Freeland, analytics expert for NFL Network, right at the top of the hour at 8. We'll talk more about Hall of Fame baseline numbers, if we can get into that. Um, And then we end the show, as we always do on a Thursday, with Brian Edwards. We'll talk about the best plays of the weekend. But again, your poll question... If you're door dashing to a college basketball game, what fast food are you craving? Is it McDonald's, Taco Bell, Chick-fil-A, Popeyes? We'll get to those results at the end of the show. Coming up next, we'll talk reset or rebuild and a little Nebraska basketball. What is the position of Nebraska football right now? What do you think? Give us a call, 888-638-4876. That's next.
1: Coffee and cream with Rogers and Benning on Hale Varsity Radio.
4: Hey, back with you on Coffee and Cream in the morning on Hale Varsity Radio, powered by Currency. Damon Benning, Andrew Rogers, live from the H and H Chevrolet stage at Hale Varsity Club. We'll get into the reset, rebuild conversation in a moment, but first I want to go to the phone lines. We'll take line one. Michigan Lance, you're on the show. Michigan Lance, what's up, man? How you doing, Lance?
3: Lance, going, going. Shane, get your guy. <laughs> get your guy, man.
5: I thought he was there. He said he'd be ready.
3: Lance, you with us? All right, let's go to line two. Let's we'll, take. Let,
4: we'll take line two. Shane, Are out of breath? Brian, with us on the show. Brian, welcome to the show. Brian, what's up, man? Who's running? Are we sure f- we're potted
5: up? Shane, who's guys?
3: who's running the phones?
5: That's weird. Hm.
3: Help us out here, Shane. Uh, because they're both still there, right? Well, Brian is. Well, what happened to Michigan, Lance? Did he drop? Try to call back? I don't Uh know. Shane, Shane's talking. All right, we'll
4: we'll change gears. (laughs) Oh, here, here come the phones. I don't know if anybody can hear those in the background.
3: Shane, we ready to go with B?
0: Varsity.
3: Varsity radio. (laughs) Varsity radio. Varsity radios. Amateur hour. I mean, sometimes it's technical difficulties. You know what? Hey, by the way, with Nebraska basketball, are you to the point now where you feel bad? For the team,
4: yes. I I just think that they were hit with unfortunate circumstances, and I know every team has to battle through adversity, and I don't want to um, take that away from teams that do still find a way to have great success when things don't go their way. But in Nebraska's case, they had five guys on the regular. Mm. Those were the five guys that you relied on. Each and every game. Then when you lose one, it's easy to replace, right? They can play the filling game with Kise. They can play the filling game with players that come off the bench. But now you're down two. And you're down your two best defenders, to add to that. Mm-hmm. They're just – they kind of got hit, hit by a car. Um, and and – I, d- I don't know if they can get picked back up or not.
3: You want dueling fan perspectives? Go. Last night I tweeted out, you know, I'm, I'm obviously following along on television and I'm looking at stats broadcast because stat broadcast gives you real-time numbers and I can get in-depth, right? Mm-hmm. So I, tweet, I just tweeted out, just kind of innocuous. I was like, eh, the halftime stats on the surface look not too bad. Right, not as bad as the last three minutes or four minutes Until of that So you half look went. away
4: from the box score.
3: Yeah, and I. So then I looked at the six to one offensive rebounds, and it yielded fourteen to two second chance points. Right, mm-hmm. like that's that's a lot. Right, and so on Twitter past your bedtime, he's funny. Uh, he goes not more, not many more wins in store at this point. I tweeted back. I said that would be a shame because it wouldn't be indicative of the job that I think he's done. That's my opinion because I think Coach Royberg's done a fantastic job. He says, agreed. Missing two starters allows other teams to do whatever it needs to neutralize Walker, and then there's no way, and you can keep up for 40 minutes relying on others to make shots. So, Redcast Rob, right? One of our guys? Yeah, one of our guys. Comes back in and says, I get the injuries are part of it, but come on. People have to be running out of excuses at some point, right? It's year four. Past your bedtime, he says. If you're really watching and know basketball, you'd understand that kind of a low blow shot, right? <laughs> Passive aggressive. <laughs> hey, you're a ding dong. You don't get it. Even though Redcast Rob is, is is pretty in tune, he said this is just par for NU hoops fans. Just keep those popcorn lines short, okay? <laughs> Redcast, how long Rob. is this thread? That's not too long, because I just the point that I want to make is he says I'm really watching. And I do understand. That doesn't mean that fans don't deserve better. This program's ability to maintain mediocrity is the most impressive part of the program, which is you have to be able to understand both those vantage points, right? Sure. Right, because the diehard and past your bedtime is what I would call, he's he's a a longtime suffering Nebraska basketball fan. So he may be looking at incremental progress, actually development, actual improving that's the micro from the macro it's why can't this program win right just because you because at some point you just Mm -hmm. you turn you tune out into what the actual real reasons may be and just know that for whatever the reason in in x amount of years of of having a basketball program you have yet to win a postseason a march game Mm -hmm. right so it's like i won't say ncaa tournament game right not n-i-t or CBI or CBA or CBT. or A game. A couple <laughs> of those don't even exig- exist season. anymore. Right. And CBA never existed unless you're talking about collective bargaining agreement. I just Are we that. not? No. Well, I, so I just, it's just weird how the sports are viewed through such different prisms. Mm-hmm. Right? Because meanwhile, in football, at the same time, you're having rebuild versus reload arguments. Basketball, it's, hey, we're getting better. No, we're not. It's too many excuses. It's just like relative to the sport and the lens, I, th- I kind of feel like the goalpost move. That's why you have to set what the baseline is, at least in my opinion, to ha- to even entertain the discussion.
4: Sam Griesel scoring eight, Derek Walker scoring seven. You won't win games doing that. No,
3: and, and Griesel's response in the post game that we played in the open, Shane, do mm-hmm. you still have – Greasel's comments post-game that we used in the open. I can find it here. Because what Sam said lends itself more to Redcast Rob than it does past Yo, not yours, Yo, Bedtime. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't even know if he wants me to use his real name. Um, That's who he is on Twitter. But anyway, because he's not making excuses. He's saying, hey, man, I need to come out with more energy. Like, we just weren't vibing tonight. I have it. Play that again. Play what Sam Greasel said on Nebraska starting this basketball game.
5: Um, We didn't come out with the right mindset tonight. Uh, You know, like I said, we lacked the the energy we needed.
4: Welcome to Omaha. Well, I'll tell you what. When when you talk about lacking energy, um, that's a problem for all teams, though, whether you have your starting five out there or not. Teams come out there where they're either – amped up, juiced up for the game, or they're not, this team can't afford any sort of mistake yeah. at this point in the season. They're, they're at a time to where they've competed in games and won games that people did not expect them to win, and they're still on the bubble of being a team that could compete in the Big Ten tournament, right? Could be a team that gets and plays deep into March. But they don't have the legs right now for either of those. Things. At what
3: point last night were you thinking this is fool's gold? They took the lead at twenty five twenty two.
4: Well, they I knew proceeded Kise to was let... going to cool. He wasn't going to keep hitting shots.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs>
4: and he was the only one
3: hey, hitting my, shots. My guy, too. He DM me. I, I felt like he had just he'd hit a three, and and my guy goes, "Hey, looks like we got good Kise." Casey tonight. I was like, I ah, give it a sec, right? Like, it's, it's hard for him to, to, I think, maintain in spurts. And that's right when he took the kind of the flailing shot in the corner. Mm-hmm. I think he's trying to draw the foul. And then it was all downhill from there. And all of a sudden you look up and it's 32-25. You're like, wait, the 10-0 run?
4: Ugh. Three after three after three. And I'll tell you, you know, with Tominaga, if he didn't shoot the ball as well as he did – this team would have been down forty. Can I, let me just ask you something:
3: Why is why does why does Nebraska basketball always have those guys that are having or asked to do more than they normally would in other programs?
6: Isn't, say, that, say, isn't that weird? Is I
3: don't expect you to it. have a patented right. answer, but it just seems like guys get exposed mm-hmm. having to be on the floor for so long when they wouldn't be at, at other places. Right. Well, it's not just a say thing, but I'm just saying it's like it just seems year after year. Now, and let's not act like he didn't go uh, 9 of 17 either. <laughs> right? I'd say in
4: other programs too, other players aren't, they, they aren't relied on as much. To do that, yeah, it seems like at Nebraska, if you are on this team, you you play into your strength, and Kise's strength is shooting the basketball.
3: He's a scorer. So normally, if you don't pay attention to the box score, would you take Nebraska shooting forty-seven percent from the floor? Yes, you'd take them shooting thirty-six percent from three. Yes, too. Mm-hmm. it's just it's
4: defensively it just wasn't there. Plus, when you look at Northwestern, Ty Berry going off was kind of like Tominaga going off. Yeah, but then. Nebraska they, doesn't have another person to go off to match Northwestern. And that's they, the problem. They right force
3: now. 15 turnovers. And I think nine were live ball, but you committed 16. So that's why I think the the, the exchange that I was seeing between Nebraska like I was kind of and I try not <laughs> I was accused once like 15 years ago of being milk toast and I was like, "Yeah, that's never happened again." I'm having strong opinions. I'm not going to be a waffler. Uh, totally kidding. But I can see both sides of the discussion. Right. Right, because Coach Hoiberg is coached and earned better than, than the record, but at some point you are what your record says you are. And he's not going to make excuses, which could be the segue for what we'd want to get into with rebuilds versus resets versus rules of engagement because he's not going to make excuses either. But he coined the phrase A.R., that that soft stuff, the rebuild, that was last year.
4: We'll get into that more at the 8 o'clock hour. We apologize for not doing that, but we went down a rabbit hole of Nebraska basketball. Brian, couldn't get to you. I apologize there as well, but we have Brandon Vogel next.
6: With Kizik Hans Free Shoes, motion sounds something like this. Kizik helps you experience the magic of motion. With over 200 patents and easy on, easy off technology, you'll never have to touch your shoes again. There are hundreds of styles and colors, plus a squish like nothing you've ever felt. For a limited time, get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com socks.
1: Coffee and Cream with Rogers and Benning on Hale Varsity Radio.
4: Hey, welcome back to the show. Glad to have you with us. 590 ESPN Omaha, 1480 ESPN Lincoln, live on Twitter, live on YouTube. It's coffee and cream in the morning on Hale Varsity Radio. Damon Benning, Andrew Rogers, live from the H&H Chevrolet stage at Hale Varsity Club. And at this time, let's welcome in our good friend, Brandon Vogel. He's, uh, gosh, do you live in Tennessee, Brandon? I always forget. You live there?
0: Is that where you live? I, I do. Chattanooga.
4: Chattanooga, Tennessee. Chattanooga. So he's out. he's out on the... Eastern side of us is it warmer in Tennessee right now?
0: It, it it is probably. I haven't checked the temperature in Omaha at the moment, but it's cold for here. It's going to get up to forty two today, so I'm not going to complain. <laughs>
3: he said up to forty two. I know, darn. <laughs> hey, we, we woke up below wind chill. Be maybe high at twenty three today. We're going to get some baby flurries tonight, and a little bit of a snow dumping on Saturday, man. So God bless the Midwest. <laughs>
0: Indeed, I've, I've been here about ten years now, and I think I've used my snow shovel once—not once. to rub it in.
3: <laughs> oh, good, good. Well, I, that's helpful. So, that's great to know. So, Brandon, our fellow media, there's our some of our fellow brethren in the media have been having some interesting back and forth, right? I, I saw, one, you know, one of our one of our uh, media folks going back and forth with with Scott Docterman, then. Kind of Steve, Steve Sippel weighed in on his vantage point, which was kind of independent but congruent with the discussion in terms of where we are. You know, Doc said, hey, Nebraska's starting from scratch. He was, he was predicting the Big Ten West, and that got all sorts of pushback. And Sipp comes out with a little bit of a piece, and he calls it a reset, not a rebuild. How much does your frame of reference, and and, and Sip was interesting because I was kind of texting back and forth with him, and his thing is he's talking about from the player standpoint, right? Like he doesn't want to be disrespectful to the players. Is it a player angle? Is it a coaching experience angle? Or is it a program angle considering where Nebraska's been with what word you use to describe Rule in year one, when he said last year was part of the reset, those were his words.
0: Yeah, and that's that's kind of what my thought was. There is, I don't think anything I've heard from Rule to this point indicates that. <clears throat> hey, this is similar to Temple, similar year one at Baylor. Like we got to tear this thing all the way down to build it back up. I haven't gotten that sense from him. And, you know, maybe a coach doesn't come right out and say that in his first month and a half on the job. Fair, fair point. I think the, the difference between, you know, a reset or a rebuild probably depends on, on how zoomed out you are. So if you're, you know, like I think Steve Sipple, like you alluded to, if he's looking at this from a player's angle or, you know, if, if that's your, your primary point of view, yeah, it's tough to say like, Hey guys, Hey, Luke Reimer, Appreciate everything you've done, but no expectations this year because we've got to, like, totally rebuild this thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so go out there and have fun. That's that's tough. a tough message. If you zoom out and if you're looking at it from a probably program-wide angle, I could see why you'd say that. If you just look from afar at Nebraska's results, yeah, they've got a long way to go. Um, I personally come down, like, I don't view this as kind of the hard the hard rebuild that – Say a program like Colorado might need, uh, based on their previous season. Nebraska, despite the record, which everyone knows was nowhere near where anyone wanted it, um, I don't think Nebraska ever quite fell that far in terms of how often it was in game and how close it actually was.
4: But do you say that because Matt Rule has done such a good job throughout his two months at Nebraska? Like, because you had said, like, it doesn't feel that way. Um, or is it his track record? Or you said it, that yeah, off air and I was like, Oh, that's a record. that's a good point. Uh that makes you think like that.
0: Yeah, it's more um I think both of those factors are important. It's more kind of looking at and Nebraska was a team that consistently, you know, if you get into the power rankings, which I know is a whole like other can of worms, but it's something I put some stock into and look at. Like they were always a team that was better than its rankings. Um, and for a while, you can kind of ride that wave and say, well, it wasn't quite as bad as it looked. Next year, things should progress to, to the mean, so to speak. And it just never did. And that becomes tricky because it's like, how long do you wait for you know, these results that you could realistically expect to come for just a random team? So that's kind of Nebraska's standpoint, in my view. You know, retweeted retweeted something from Bill Connolly at ESPN this Mm -hmm. morning uh, about Nebraska's going to rank pretty well in his weighted returning production. And you look down the roster, you know, you're losing Trey Palmer. That's like almost half your receiving yards. But on offense, that's the biggest one. Defensively, I think five of the top ten tacklers are back, plus – you're going to return that secondary which i think is the most important place to be experienced on defense.
3: Yeah, it's interesting and and from the folks on on 3 and um Sipple and 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 those guys were talking about experience and where the defense would have ranked top 30 nationally under when coach bush took over almost as if to substantiate and validate the point of rebuild versus reset. Andrew and I were talking two weeks ago. Seems like it's come up a lot now. Yeah, we agree the secondary is is the strength. It probably has the most proven playmakers, but Nebraska hasn't been winning games. So how do you rectify all production being good production versus okay? Well, how is this yielding results?
0: that's that's the thing and i mean i think you know we can talk rebuild we can talk reset like in my mind when i look at nebraska that's the key issue to solve for it's like why? where was the break in the in the chain here why didn't this kind of follow you know what you would expect in a more linear fashion when looking at college football as a whole like i don't care if we're talking about tulsa or the University of Tennessee, you can look at return in production and what it has meant in the past and, and come up with reasonable projections. Mm. And Nebraska just, if you have that kind of trend line, always ended up too far above or more often below it for whatever reason. So I look at this as, I mean, it's not an easy problem to solve, but it's a clear problem to identify. And I think even the offensive line, you know, you mentioned the secondary. Offensive line might be a good one too. Last year, Nebraska returned a ton of starts. Now they're going to return a ton of starts again. Were they good starts? Were they the starts that you needed? And then you can look at the results and say, well, pretty clearly they weren't the starts they needed. So what do you do with that?
4: We're talking to Brandon Vogel, Managing Editor for Hale Varsity. Follow him on Twitter at Brandon L. Vogel. Looking at the commitment list here, Brandon, as it keeps growing for Nebraska since we last talked. (laughs) Nebraska secured another offensive lineman, a pair of wide receivers, some tight ends. You know, my question to you is, is there ever too many? Can you ever have too many guys? We talked about scholarship numbers a little bit last week, but is there ever a time where one more is one too many?
3: Mm.
0: yeah it's a it's a it's an interesting question and i don't think i would put up um you know a hard limit at this stage in kind of a coaching transition like it it's it's the first time this staff has gone through and had access to the portal um at at the college level of course so it it kind of to me it, it seems like cast a wide net right now i do think it comes down i think as we get further along in this this new regime at Nebraska roster size is an interesting discussion um you know Nebraska is always right around 150 which is the most in the Big 10 when you factor in walk in, walk on and i do think you know we can think back to Nebraska in the past and understand the advantage that the, that that had in a kind of different phase of of the game now i How big do you have to get before it becomes hard to devote the individual attention you need? And also individual attention, I think, is something that's really important to that rule. So that's something I'll be interested to see as we we continue on.
3: Yeah, it's interesting, too, because I just look at like the scholarship distributions kind of as it sits. And in my head, you know, I could say, yep. I could see three wide receivers leaving. I could see two linebackers Mm -hmm. leaving. I could see three DBs leaving. Like, I can kind of in my head make some educated guesses because don't you get the sense? No functional quality programs, to my knowledge, have made a living with NIL and keeping guys on scholarship. I don't even think that's on the table. Number one, it's a bad business because it's not the NIL model. And number two, coaches don't want to man, manage extreme numbers. Nebraska will get to the number. I think we're fretting over nothing.
0: Yeah, I think so too. I, you know, Nebraska, to this point, has had, I think, surprisingly few departures in, in the transfer portal, or at least less than I expected given a coaching transition. That said, I think when the May window opens, you'll see a little bit closer to – to what might be typical you know it's interesting you brought it up and kind of framed it in a in a good way i think with nil and the transfer portal as kind of the two new things available to to college football players i I think you're right like the evidence of a player being like well i'm not playing but i'm going to stay here because the nil is really good it isn't there so of those two things nil or the ability to transfer and start again which is carrying more weight, uh, I think at this point you have to say it's still playing time. It's still a chance to get on the field.
4: Vogel, we appreciate your time, man. Thanks so much for joining the show this morning. We'll talk again next week.
0: Sounds good, guys. Thanks. Th-
4: thanks, B. That's Brandon Vogel, managing editor for Hale Varsity. Follow him on Twitter, at Brandon L. Vogel. You know something I thought about when we were just talking about a bunch of these uh, commitments?
3: What's that, and, Drew and,
4: and you were talking about how, you know, you never know if you could lose three receivers here or there. How do you leave an everlasting impression on players to keep them there like how is Matt Rule going about all of these recruiting talks and making you feel as a recruit put yourself in the recruit's shoes on knowing that you're going to be at Nebraska for four years
3: uh well I, I can only tell you what I've heard him say and and kind of how they they've impacted our house Mm-hmm. We need you. We want you. This is where we see you. It's an integral part of where we want to be. You fit in like this.
4: Is it the same thing with everybody,
3: or is it well, always if, different? if you're authentic, I think it is. Now, the words may change, but the message does not. Cynthia Freeland up next. We're talking NFL right here on Coffee and Cream.
1: Coffee and Cream on Hale Varsity Radio with
0: Andrew Rogers. And Damon Benny. I expect it to be a battle all the way through. Um, both the, the Cowboys and Eagles are, are both physical, talented teams who are really fast and um, have a lot of talent. So, just like it was a battle this past week, I'm expecting that, if not more, this week. You know, them being in their home home stadium, home crowd uh, behind them, they're going to be juiced up, ready to go. No, I haven't even thought about it. We're, we're focused on this week,
6: focused on the Chiefs. You now we're not playing for a Super Bowl this week, so got to get through this one.
4: Got to get those refunds sent out. It's coffee and cream in the morning on Hail Varsity Radio, powered by Currency, Damon Benning, Andrew Rogers. <laughs> Top of the hour here on the show. Happy to have you with us. 590 ESPN Omaha, 1480 ESPN Lincoln. Live on Twitter, live on YouTube. And happy to welcome in now uh, a good friend, Cynthia Freeland, analytics expert for NFL Network. Cynthia, good morning.
3: Uh-oh. We are struggling we with aren't. our phones this morning. Phone
4: lines aren't doing us any, any help this morning. Oh, that's tough. I want to talk to the architect of Game Theory. She is outstanding. She is so into stats. It, it, it makes me, it's like a kid in a candy store.
3: <sighs> yeah, and the, the reason it interests me, and I was just watching, you know, because that's my network of choice. Because they specialize in just that sport, as opposed to some other networks, and it, it's it's counterintuitive to kind of how I've always looked at sports mm. as a competitor and a and a coach. Now I know analytics has crept into coaching the last ten years quite a bit. But it's the most reluctant sport, I think, in my opinion, to embrace analytics well, and
4: you know it's great to have that perspective because for me, I never played the sport, so I always looked at the sport from a stat driven angle, and so because of that, I like projections more than i more than I can understand maybe what is actually happening Mm -hmm. right i i I use the stats to predict versus rather letting
3: real-time things uh tell the story if that makes sense and you know what's interesting too is how about how general managers and and presidents and head coaches now try to have this symbiotic relationship based on who embraces it you see it all the time in baseball Right, the guys that like to fill out the lineup card based on fee- – like Jim Leland in analytics, can you imagine? No. Jim Leland is the guy that once cussed out Barry mm-hmm. Bonds at Pirate Spring Training and said this is his team. Can you imagine Jim Freeland getting a general manager? Leland. Le- Did I say Leland? You said Freeland for Cynthia. Oh, Jim Leland <laughs> turning and burning his cigarettes, embracing – analytics in the front baseball office to set his lineups. There's no way so somewhere where those right. those worlds collide. I I think as I watch it in sports, we've seen it dominate basketball. No more long twos. Right? How efficient do you have to be in your two-point pull-up game to off How how good do you have to be with Booker and Demar DeRozan and and Kawhi Leonard to offset either layups or threes, right? Like that's right. It's tough, and we we see it in analytics all the time with, with other sports. Football, now where do we see it? The Nick Sirianis, the Brandon Staley's going for it, the Buffalo Bills. It's like... They're, they're playing the analytics game. There's a reason we've seen more two-point conversions in the last five years.
4: So we weren't able to get Cynthia via the phone, but I'm told that we have Cynthia through StreamYard. Shayner. is she loaded up, ready to go?
5: In a second here. Okay, okay
4: great. So we'll get her there. Um, so we, we will still be able to talk football with you. Um, and then a little bit later on in this segment, we're going to go back to that reset, rebuild, what we were just talking about with Brandon Vogel, because I, I think I have a point that, Maybe Quaker like, <laughs> may, I, I may be. Are you Puritan Quaker like? What? Like what, I, I Where may, are we I going with I may be this? resting in the
5: middle, and I, I oh, don't. I don't a, you're, one you're way. Waffler. We've got her here. We've okay. got her. She's in. She, she won't be on video, but uh, totally okay. fine.
4: That's great, Cynthia. Good morning. Can you hear us?
3: Can you hear us, Cynthia? We're gonna pot her up. I think here in a minute.
5: Mm. It is potted up.
3: How did we just talk to Brandon in Nashville and not get Cynthia now? Wow, well, mu- I think Shane knows that I'm curious to have this analytics in the NFL discussion. I'm curious. Well, I always like to learn, and you—we've been dying to get her on. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't that? Be I've been f- asking for two I weeks. Know, <it>? Shane, give the man what he asks. Okay, can he just talk to Cynthia? <laughs> wow, would- you literally just said you've been asking for two weeks. You baby, <laughs> I've been asking Shane for two weeks.
4: Like, let's get Cynthia on, man. Let's How about what he told on, you
3: yesterday that he got her, and you're like, yes.
4: <laughs> I was stoked. I was so happy. <laughs> you child. I am such
3: a. I'm such a kid. Uh, but now your now your buzz I'd, is momentarily delayed.
4: I mean, I, it's more heartbreak.
3: Is it? Yeah, are you gonna be all right? You seem very hurt right
5: now. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I, I think we're just gonna have to pass today till we get you
4: know things fi- fixed. figured out. Yeah. Come on, oh.
3: Shane. Oh, <laughs> come. How'd we how'd we get B Vogues?
4: That Student I don't know because he was on video. Is that did that change it? I don't
3: know. I mean, we're Sasha Durkin when you need her. Mm-hmm.
4: Oh, man, like that one. That was a low blow.
3: Okay, we got to recalibrate. We got to yeah. we got to let's, let's tie it back we, all together. We, we got to refocus. Um. Rebuild as a Puritan and a Quaker.
4: (laughs) We need to rebuild this show right now. Or do we reset it? I'm on my Uh, steel cut. All right,
5: try her once more.
4: Oh. All right, we're trying again. Cynthia. once
5: more.
6: I can hear you now. Uh Yeah, all right. Let's go. Game changer.
3: (laughs) Hey, thanks for joining
4: us, Cynthia.
6: Absolutely. How are you guys doing? I
3: appreciate the patience. That's
6: the thing. Yeah, how
4: how about, about that. Thank you. Thank uh, you. We're good. We're good. And hey, you know, being as stat-driven as you are, because I want to get right into this now. It's been teasing. me. It's been hanging <laughs> over me. Two weeks, Cynthia. <laughs> <laughs> um, being as stat-driven as you are... Um, I'd like to start with your projections. You know, the teams out of yep. the AFC give you the most confidence to win it all. But I think even more surprising is seeing the Eagles hold up the rear out of the four remaining teams. What gives you that inclination?
6: It's really interesting. I was a little surprised about that, too, when I was looking at everything. As it, you know, I I, I put them, The it's it's a very unbiased model. So I put the information in, and that's what came out. But it is a very close game between the Niners and the Eagles. So when I'm looking at the Eagles and their specific team, and they have been the best at like fourth down decisions, Jalen Hurts is the best against zone defense, et cetera. But there's a couple of areas where they, like if if things get off the rails, for example, like you know, like if you need your running backs to pick up a blitz or something happens and you're playing from behind, they're not as well equipped as some of the other teams. So if things don't go well, if that so if that read option doesn't work, if, you know, if the run game stops being effective for their offense, we haven't really seen them dig themselves out of a lot of holes, which means there's a bit of uncertainty there, which could be good, but also could be bad.
3: Yeah, I'm curious. I, I want to back up. Whether I'm watching game theory or um, the projections, I hear you say things like putting in numbers. Coached for a long time, played even longer. And when I hear analytics in the NFL – I think of the major sports, it's been the last to really embrace analytics. Now, we've seen this new age of the McVays and the Shanahans and uh, the McDermott's and the Sirianis, folks that really have kind of embraced analytics. Why do you think the NFL was – maybe slow is not the word? Why was there such reluctance and such a data-driven deal to embrace analytics?
6: That's a great question. I think part of it is that you have 11 moving pieces on each side of the ball in every snap. And there is a lot of patience involved in creating a mo- Like when I'm modeling, I have to ask former players and coaches to vet what I'm doing so that, you know, you don't want the machine to tell you everything. You want it to be programmed in a way that's what what would a human do? You just want it to be faster. You don't want it to be different. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. you're not trying to take the element out of it. You just and, you know, when you're coaching, you watch, what, four weeks of film prior to a game. Well, this way you can watch every single time that, you know, uh, Jalen Hurts is, you know, faced a what looked like cover to you ahead of the snap, but rotated to single high after, so, you know, whatever you can, you can watch that. You can catalog that. Extremely quickly, whereas that would have taken you a day before. Now it takes you like three seconds, right? So the reality is, is it just took a lot of patience to get there, and there's so many moving pieces on every snap that it's just so hard to get to. All
3: right, so Andrew and I got in a knockdown, not a knockdown, drag out, a very good <laughs> discussion on Monday I over. Was. I think we kind of ended on the same side. We were talking about this Burrow versus Mahomes thing, Mahomes health, the four in a row, and I said. At the end of the day, why do I like the Chiefs? Well, I'm going to take Andy Reid, the due diligence that I think will happen in this with game planning, and a healthy Mahomes, a healthy healthier Mahomes at home that's actually got a legitimate chip on his shoulder ex- versus the manufactured chips like mm-hmm. we sometimes hear from Chiefs fans. Mm-hmm. Is that smart? To factor that in, or should I just be like, "Would you be like, hey, DB, keep your emotions out of it?" I understand this is what the data says because it seems to me I want to lean towards intangibles. Is that what gets us in trouble?
6: Um, I mean, it depends. Right, you know, we always overcorrect. Right, last week I think about it with this Bengals O line. Last week we're like, they're it, they're toast. There's three. O linemen gone, and the Bills are just gonna, you know, the, the Bills are just gonna kill them and blah, 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 blah right? And then <laughs> now it's like, oh, they don't even need their starting O linemen. They're t- like, so we get, we go too far. The pendulum swings too far. So your emotions should be in it. You just have to be mindful of like how far you swing each way so you're not overcorrecting or overreacting. But the emotions are part of it for sure. And I think off like what you have to look at is, the data does suggest like Patrick Mahomes from a clean pocket has thrown for the most yards and touchdowns this season and by the way he's had a clean pocket more often this season than any in in, in the history of his game so far. So, yeah, Andy mm. Reid crafting an offense that make the the problem is when your emotions also say, hey, I remember, my mind thinks about Patrick Mahomes scrambling, dropping back, doing horizontal throws that somehow make it to the end zone. But you have to remember that that's like once or twice a, a game for him. But, you know, he, there's a lot of other throws in that game that are are more higher probability throws.
4: We're talking to Cynthia Freeland, analytics expert for NFL Network. Toss her a follow on Twitter at C Freeland. Cynthia, uh, let's take a look at the NFC here because the 49ers to me have the best defense remaining uh, out of any team left. Now the Eagles are up there too. So the NFC is really set up for a good defensive matchup here. Uh, But every week, the offense for the 49ers comes into question because you have Brock Purdy. um, And he always seems to put your mind at rest, though. And, uh, you know, my question to you is, can Brock Purdy win you a Super Bowl in his first NFL season? Like, is there data to back up at all that the that put the 49ers at this point at this stage in the season at a disadvantage or at an advantage uh, for, for some reason, because uh, Brock has continued to silence the skeptics.
6: It's funny. Cause you know, you start, you talked about that defense and you're absolutely right. And like Fred Warner should, needs like a, we need more. We need to talk about him more. Oh, he's, honestly, he's,
3: he's the best player. He's the best defensive player on that team. I don't think Bosa's great. I love the, the havoc, the splash. Give me Fred Warner and his versatility. Yeah.
6: I mean, you saw him pick the ball off last week and stop every single run play. Like, that's just, it's amazing to be, I love that versatility. You're totally right. But, look, stopping the run the way that the Niners have been able to, in fact, like, you can't run inside on them at all. And Mm. that's where Miles Sanders likes to run. You just can't. They're the best in the league, and it's not even close. That changes the cadence of the entire game and changes the opportunity for a guy like Brock Purdy. So when you're looking at Brock Purdy and what he's done, it's really like, you talk about Andy Reid, you should talk about Kyle Shanahan Mm -hmm. here. As well in all of those weapons. I mean, the the running backs, they have like three of the top yards after contact and yards after catch guys in the entire league on one team. And like they, they're the first team in NFL history with like five players to average over five yards per rush every time they touch the ball and they touched at least 40 times. Like this is a ridiculously stacked team. And then when you see things like last week, the, the Cowboys were a tricky defense to start for Brock Purdy. It didn't start off super pretty. But then what you saw is you saw Kyle Shanahan use the empty formations on one, almost a third of dropbacks. And what that did was you can you can speak to this more than me even. Like, you know, those when the wide receivers are out wide, you get a little tip-off as to what the defense is trying to do against you. Mm-hmm. And that just made it easier for Brock Purdy. In those situations when they were an empty, his time to throw was like a half a second shorter than when he wasn't using empty. So it was quick passes, it was designs and schemes and that's pretty much just like Kyle Shanahan's brain coming out in the form of a game, but also Brock Purdy being excellent at executing it.
3: Let me ask you something, Cynthia, kind of off topic, but I think you're the perfect person to ask because of data. I, I keep looking at you know EPA and, and drop back and turnovers, and I'm looking at two quarterbacks that have been killed the last couple of days in the media, Dak Prescott and Josh Allen, and I look at their numbers side-by-side side in QBR, and you could maybe say advantage Dak in terms of games played. Why do we view those two quarterbacks in such different
6: lights? Well, I mean, first off, I like if you can be the person to, to determine how a reaction to a Cowboys moment happens, like just, you know, <laughs> Like that, like that's, that's a, you know, it's going to be touchy, right? Like whatever it is with the Cowboys, like it's the, you know, they're the best in the world. They're the worst in the world. It's like so dramatic with them always. Right. So that's the first part. But I, look, both Dak and Josh Allen had these monster expectations heading into the season. Josh Allen was the, you know, odds on favorite to meets league MVP prior to the season starting. And, you know, they, everyone's like, well, Brian D'Abel's now in, you know, New York. What's going to happen with Ken Dorsey and blah, blah, blah? And, you, you know, you got that splashy uh, video of Ken Dorsey, like, beating the crap out of his Microsoft Surface tablet, like, when they were, you know, whatever. <laughs> so, you just, there was a lot of moments throughout the season where, you know, you just saw these two. And, and of course, the quarterback always takes the majority of the responsibility. And both quarterbacks have committed too many turnovers, and there's just no two ways about it. The Bills' O-line isn't as good as 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 maybe they thought ahead of the season, and Dak, you know, he, he threw some uncharacteristic interceptions. Some weren't his fault, but some were confusing, and you just can't do that when you're in these high-profile situations.
4: Cynthia, I'll get you out of here on this. As we look Uh, maybe more future here than immediate there's a lot of NFL coaching jobs open right now based on what you're seeing and uh, what your models provide who do you project will be the first team to make a hire
6: Ooh, that's a great question I think it's the I think it's going to be the Denver Broncos we saw yesterday I have no idea just so you know this is (laughs) this is my this is tea leaves like because yesterday they finally said goodbye to, their, to the interim head coach. Right. That would lead me to believe that they're, they're further along with their decision-making process than others. But that's not the job I would take. The best job, in my opinion, if you want to win football games, I think you should take the Panthers' job then. Because in reality, the, the NFC South is the one where you could potentially get some Ws, whereas like the AFC West seems like a total nightmare.
4: Thank you, Cynthia. We appreciate man. your time, uh, and hopefully we can talk again soon. Sorry for the mix-up. A- absolutely, no thank you, know, you so much.
6: We got it. We stayed at. We stayed at it. We're good.
4: <laughs> thank you. We went deep into the football game, <laughs> and we still won. Oh man, we got it. Appreciate you. Day, thank you, you too, too. for having me. For sure. That's Cynthia Freeland again, analytics expert for NFL Network. And uh, toss her a follow on Twitter. I'll She's say fan. it again. She's @c fantastic. Freeland, smart like uh, she, yeah, she is super. Super smart.
3: All, all that being said, give me the Chiefs. <laughs>
4: <laughs> How about, to her saying at the end that the Panthers, if you want to win right away. But I, told, I said that uh-huh. to you, right? right?
3: Remember when we, we kept talking about all the jobs? I said, why wouldn't you? The why Panthers, wouldn't you want the
4: Panthers? They were everybody flying. talks
3: about the Colts. Give me the Panthers mm-hmm. job. And it's interesting, too, because. I you, certainly you, don't want Denver.
4: You look at what happened midseason when Matt Rule was fired, and then all of a sudden they started to, like, pick up some ground toward the end. Mm-hmm. What, what are they missing? A quarterback? Like, are they a quarterback away? But or is maybe. Sam
3: Darnold the guy? Maybe. And can I just say this about Coach Rule? And listen, I don't know the inner workings of what happened in Charlotte. And I still have some really good buddies um, that work there in that market. Uh, I, a lot of people can put two and two together. And that was obviously the franchise that, that I first signed with. But I, the more I'm around – the more I – interact with coach rule and the more i listen to things like you know what did he say with busting with the boys when he said hey listen i mean you you, you guys were three and nine la- or four and eight last year like let me do my thing like why do you care about what i'm doing the more i hear things like that and i and i glean into his personality i think was the nfl ever a really good fit for what his mm-hmm. strengths are. No. It do- okay, so it doesn't, it, seem, it like doesn't seem like it. So I don't know if the NFL should be in the topic of right. discussion when it comes to Matt Rule's success because he's a I, I just don't know if the NFL is built for a guy that is that number one confident in his own abilities that is relational in terms of a developer player, and kind of wants to do his own thing. I, I just don't think what I think about those things, like, that's not how an NFL you works. About, you talk
4: about coaching um, and especially in college basketball, like players driving the team. Um, in college football, I would actually say it, it could be on the other end. Of how like a coach actually needs to insert his presence more mm-hmm. because you're dealing with more personnel. Meanwhile, in the NFL, it's a different look because all of these guys have been there, done that. They know what it takes day in and day out. That's their job. Not yeah. to say college football isn't a job for these kids because it is. It's treated like a job. If if you went to college, you're either a student worker and you work at the local Wendy's, or if you're a player, uh, you you play football and like you go to practice two a days. You know, you go and in, and. In, uh, have study halls with your teammates and things like that. I would almost say that it's more important to be a coach in college than it is to be a coach in the NFL. Now, maybe when it's draw, drawing up plays and things like that, that's different. But when we talk player relationships, that's why Matt Rule's strength fits in college.
3: You know, it's interesting. I The last – this whole recruiting process, is it, it sharpened my prism on the ability to, I think, do my job better because – I have, like, real frame of references, and I can pit what I hear versus what I actually see on Saturdays and things like that. And I listened to, you know, in the last handful of weeks and days, just just yesterday, right, Colorado, Vanderbilt, Iowa, Minnesota, uh, Oklahoma was the day before. And and so I'm I'm listening, and we're you, you know questions are being asked, and the recruiting process is going on. Nebraska sounds a lot closer to Minnesota and Iowa than they do, let's say Colorado and Oklahoma. Who you know Venables is familiar with Oklahoma, but still only going to be in the second year of putting that program together. Colorado, the most vastly different of the bunch. And, and boy, he's fantastic, right? Former Shadron guy and, and and knows, I think, the area well. But listening to, like, the blueprints and kind of where programs are, I see why people are confident why they want to drink the Kool-Aid with Coach Rule because I'm telling you, he sounds a lot closer to, you know, Rossi and, and Cl- Collins and Coach Fleck you know coach wood you know lavar woods in terms of experience and this is what we do this is who we are this is what we're projecting then some programs that are kind of trying to still either turn the corner or just getting started which is weird because he's only been here two and a half months but he has the experience that precedes him right. that you hear come through his staff. It, it's I'm blown away by some of these things that I've been hearing. It's just like, I, I, I mean, I, put it this way. I know why Kansas State wins. I know why they mm-hmm. win. I hear why they win. And I pit what I hear versus what, what, what I see. And I'm like, and it's little stuff. It's little stuff. And I'm like, you know what? There's longevity in that.
4: We'll talk reset, rebuild next. But you said something there that sparked some interest in my brain. And I'm going to save that segment for tomorrow. Um, And it's all about how you you talked about how Coach Rule kind of has it all laid out. And some programs don't feel like they do. And it makes me think about what's going on in other coaches' minds (laughs) when they talk to recruits. So we'll do that tomorrow. But reset, rebuild next. Hey, back with you on Coffee and Cream in the Morning on Hale Varsity Radio, powered by Currency. 590 AM ESPN Omaha, excuse me, 1480 ESPN Lincoln. We're live on TikTok right now, for those of you joining us there. We're also live on Twitter and YouTube. And uh, Travis, thanks for letting us know that you can hear everything. We actually knew that. We're just making sure we can test for our next guest
3: in order that we can get Brian Edwards on. Hey, Shane, real quick. What's up? I know we sometimes when we have to record and it goes out. Why does that have to go out over the stream? Um. Well, because it's it's because we're sh- in Stream Yard, right?
5: Yeah, and it's the way it's like through the board. It's uh, it's going through the. Uh,
3: it's like that at the other place mm-hmm. too.
5: Yeah, I mean, and he's got a bell to hear us, and we wanted the bell to hear him, yeah. and to do that, it, it needed to be simulated like we were on the air, and as we did that. We simulated like it was on the air, but we weren't. But it went over the stream. Yeah, right? I got you. So it worked. I'll be, I'll and be. they just get a little <laughs> bit more of us during in the stream during the commercial break.
3: Islands in the stream. <laughs> That is what we are. Good song. I actually know that song. I know like maybe
4: three percent of the songs. That well, you sing. that's
3: because it's old and Anglo. So you'd be good at that. But, <laughs> but Cynthia sounded pretty good, didn't she? She did. She like, sounded audio-wise. great,
4: audio
5: wise. And maybe, maybe, maybe as we work through this, maybe this will be something that we do you know, moving forward.
3: One of my, one of my favorites um, in the high school coaching ranks, T texts me and he goes, can you imagine if we had had analytics in high school? And in my head I was like, you'd be a kid in the candy store and you'd probably still be coaching. You think I can remember numbers and stats? Try talking to this guy. Ridiculous. <laughs> hey, let's reset or maybe
4: rebuild. Let's try and squash. How about revisit? Yeah, or revisit, right? We could revisit. <laughs> Let's try to squash, <laughs> squash this take. Um, so Trev Albert said yesterday that Matt Rule has far suppressed, uh, suppressed, surpassed, excuse me, his expectations in terms of work pace. I'm sure that expectation bar wasn't set low either. Um, but then Matt Rule also came out and said that there's a difference from taking a program to some place they've never been. This is taking a program to where they have once been. I read into both of those quotes, and it makes me think, is it reset, is it rebuild? How about can it be a little bit of both? So when you talk reset, the definition of reset, DB, set again or differently. Rebuild, build again, after it has been damaged or destroyed. It's kind of a combination of the two. Like I don't think it's one or the other. And that's why I said earlier on in the show I'm, a, I'm Switzerland in this case. I'm a Quaker because
3: <laughs> I think it can rest on both sides. You want peace? Do you, Have you heard ORAR? Yes. I want peace.
5: <laughs> okay.
4: Okay. Okay. You know, there, there's a sense of legacy, though. When, oh, when Matt Rule comes to this program and knows that even when the program hits adversity— if you turn it around, like, you are going to be the guy that is remembered forever.
3: Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I, I feel like I'm a little bit of a cheat code just because I think I know how the coaches think. And I remember Co- even Coach Frost telling me this. And he, he, was on, I, he was honest. He said, you know, we can turn this around Quickly, but I would have to catch lightning in a bottle. We would have to catch a few breaks, and I would have to hit on a few things. But if we want to sustain it, it's going to take time. I thought that was interesting and in um, some pretty good self-evaluation. I've also heard Coach Rule intimate and almost say, hey, listen, sure, we – We may be able to hit the ground running. We might. But if you want long-term sustainability, how many different ways can he say the way that he built the contract, how he likes to work, the slow burn versus the expectation level, what last year meant to his first year with this staff, he's telling you 19,000 different ways they may win next year. But it's not going to be indicative either way Mm -hmm. of the trajectory of the program. I think he's saying that. Because I think any coach worth his salt or her salt will tell you, you can turn something around in a year, but you won't know about long-term sustainability for at least three. So – I just think that that's that's the safe way to play it. Now, the discussion is interesting because Samir and I used to talk about this all the time, and we would go back and forth. And, and I, the reason I like talking with him about it is because he's on both sides before. So sometimes I would say we talk about returning productivity. He's big mm-hmm. into that, especially along the O line, D line. He loves right. analytics, right? And so I, you know, we would get into this about experience, and then when it works, it's. That's good experience coming back. When it doesn't work or potentially if a team hasn't been good, it's, well, do you want those guys back anyway? Right? Because it could go either way. Hey, you can assume they're going to get better or, ah, those guys weren't very good. Let's clean house anyway. Mm -hmm. Right? So we've gone back and forth with multiple case studies, right? College, pro, right? So with this particular case, I think it's fascinating when people really get passionate about well i'm you know it's disrespectful because if i was a player and folks are telling me it's a reset i don't really want to hear that right I'm probably pretty good but the reality of it is hey listen man if we're four and eight or we're three and nine or hey man we got to get better right because one of my lines that i like to say is well we haven't won with you
4: and right. and we we and, let's and see I think if we and, can I, you. and
3: players need to understand that we well, have yeah, one with you. So right. yeah, I'm going to coach my way into having options, which is what I think I hear Coach Rule saying when he says things like, "I mean, with all due respect, you guys were four and eight last year. Like, how are you going to tell me who I should hire and who mm-hmm. I shouldn't? You guys were four and eight last year. How are you going to tell me? Why are you worried about my process? Like, clearly, I'm here for right. a reason." The, the beauty of what he's been able to do so far is, is he's balanced being approachable and not know-it-all-ish with having conviction in his craft. He's way smart when it comes to that. He's very engaging. He'll listen. Right? He, he'll talk. Right. Doesn't mean he's taking it with him right and i think the blend of that is what's endeared him at least early on this is what i plan to snap endeared him early on to the fan base because he seems engaging and receptive all the while he's smart enough he's a very good orator he's smart enough to know he's still setting his own boundaries he all healthy relationships have boundaries they do parent to child coach to player Everybody has to operate within boundaries. And when those boundaries are infringed upon, you can get chaos. Very crafty. He's setting
4: boundaries. At the end of the day, what do you want from this program? You want to see results. Haven't we said the last couple wind. of years,
3: Drew Don, we want it to look like football?
4: We want it to look like football. Exactly. So... That's why I'm I'm kind of on the fence between both because for one like I'm not knocking any players here. But when people talk about rebuild, that's not saying hey go you know we're going to kick you to the curb. That's saying hey, this program has been in shambles for years now. Mm-hmm. We need to rebuild the program mm-hmm. so that we can get back to the level and get back to this the so-called stature that you want to be at meanwhile you have to reset at the same time you have to change things up you mentioned 3 and 9 4 and 8 you have to do something different no question in order to achieve the success or the goal that you set forth and so between both of those things it's not saying like hey Casey Thompson you were a you were a bad quarterback last year for this team we can't win with you we're going to go a different direction direction it's hey what wasn't working? Let's address those issues, and then let's see if we can get there together. Mm-hmm. It's not a knock on anybody. It's not, you don't have to stand up for players in, in either side of this argument. You don't have to stand up for the program in either side of this argument. But what you need to do is address the issue. Let's stop beating around the bush. Let's just get there. And that's kind of Matt Rule's mind. <laughs> yeah. It's, hey, we're getting there. And whether you like it or not, we're going to get there. Mm-hmm. And so we may make friends, we may make enemies. But in both of those, in that fork in the road, it's going to come back together in the end.
3: Yeah, I, it is, that is fantastic because I'm pitting it against, again, what I hear recruiting, right? I heard a coach the other day say, hey, listen, I'm not just going to offer you on the phone. We're going to offer you. Come see us so you can look me in the eye and do it face-to-face. I know why that program Mm runs. Conversely, I just heard a program yesterday say, I'm not even sure what we're going to do coverage-wise yet. We haven't spent much time together as a staff. Let's talk about that tomorrow.
4: What? But we're going to talk to Brian (laughs) Edwards next.
1: Coffee and cream with Rogers and Benning on Hale Varsity Radio.
4: As we wind this thing down on Coffee and Cream in the morning on Hale Varsity Radio, we'd like to thank you for joining us the entirety of the show. 1480 ESPN Lincoln, 590 AM ESPN Omaha. We're live on Twitter and YouTube, and we're also live from the H and H Chevrolet stage at Hale Varsity. Club. As we changed a lot of different directions today, you could probably guess that it uh, was more of like a, a four-car pileup on the road because uh, we, we went all over the place. But you know what? If any instance, any situation comes about like that, you should take your car to Dingman's. Dingman's Collision Center is your one-stop shop for all your car needs. needs. They've been in the business for over 25 years here in Omaha. They're family-run, family-owned, and family Operated. Invest in the latest technology to stay up to date with the ever evolving technology of what cars are. They work on all makes and models from Fords to Teslas, four locations throughout the metro area, along with that standalone mechanical shop at 120th and Maple. Bring your car there. Also, give to charity because they have the give back program. Uh, they've been up for 18 years running, so something's working over at Dingmans. Go to dingmans.com to learn more. At this time, let's head on over to Vegas. And talk to our guy, Brian Edwards, who's on with us every Thursday to end the show. Brian, good morning.
2: Good morning, gentlemen. What's happening?
4: B, you sound fantastic, man. How you doing?
2: Doing great. Doing great. Uh, The Bengals treated me right uh, (laughs) last weekend, as did the Niners, (laughs) as I continued to bet both of them for like like I've done every week for the last two months. A
4: Brian, you and DB made me some money over the weekend in NFL, <laughs> so thank you for that.
2: Well, it was a sweat with uh, the Niners, that's for sure. Dallas' defense played great, but, uh, man, since when Jamar Chase was so wide open on that first drive, I was like, wow, is it going to be this easy? I, I didn't think it would be, but, wow, it ended hey, up being
3: easy. B, have you kind of reconciled in your mind why Dak Prescott gets so much criticism and Josh Allen gets so many excuses?
2: Right? That That is a great uh, point that is an absolute. I mean, they have
3: they have they they have this almost the same numbers. Dak may have a, even a little better QBR.
2: Yeah, and uh, Dak had more points last week. <laughs> it's like <laughs> not by not by much, not by much,
3: but just a couple. I, I just it's amazing. Like is so as much. And Kellen Moore's like getting interviews, and Dorsey's like, "Hey, we're good." Like really?
2: Right. I um. I I wouldn't have been surprised, and maybe they still will, if McDermott makes a move away from Dorsey. And I wouldn't be surprised if the Cowboys did the same with Moore. But, yeah, I saw on the ticker, was that yesterday or the day before? Yeah, Moore's
3: interviewing in Carolina.
2: Yeah, that's what I saw on the ticker, I guess, yesterday or or maybe the day before. And I was like, huh? He's about to get fired in Dallas
4: pretty crazy <laughs> nonetheless wild pretty crazy hey let's start with the uh, Bengals and uh, eagles here um, because those are the two plays that you like for this weekend when you look at the Bengals, do you so you like the situation uh, of them being on the road and then uh with the eagles you like them at home which is kind of weird because you go you move away from your 49ers in that I- game why do you like the eagles why do you like the Bengals?
2: Well, I I would be on the Bengals whether Mahomes was healthy or not. And, um, I I mean, I kind of wish he was healthy because we'd be getting some points. But um... (laughs) – <laughs> you know, I, I, look, I, I've I think I've backed the Bengals every game during this ten game winning streak where they're eight one and one against the spread, but they're ten and zero against the spread for me. I bet them minus six and a half on the Monday before the playoff game against Baltimore. They won by seven, and a regular season finale, which is the the push on the eight uh, one and one, because the line moved to eleven. I was in at seven, uh, you know before the. Uh, there gave Huntley the week off and went to Anthony Brown talk about the Ravens in the regular season finale so I've backed them successfully 10 times in a row um, he's three and0 against Mahomes and the Chiefs I know all three games were very very close uh, you know, I guess you could say could have gone either way games, but Burrow made fewer mistakes. I mean, the AFC Championship game, you know, Mahomes and Andy Reid both made that critical mistake when they had a play with like five or six seconds left before halftime where they're, you know, on like the two-yard line, could have had the field goal, and they did a play where I think it was a dump-off to Clyde Edwards-Solair, and he didn't get out of bounds or score the touchdown. That cost them three. That was huge. Um, yeah, I just uh, – I'm sticking with the Bengals. I think they're the best team in the NFL. I've been saying it for months. Now, the three offensive linemen out was a cause for concern, but then they dominated the line of scrimmage and ran the ball effectively last week. Um, So, yeah, I like the Bengals went out right.
3: Mm, Let's talk – let's talk um, – this is crazy. This (laughs) is how you know you cap Merrimack. I was who's, thinking the same thing. Who's going to take – but he always finds these games. That's why I trust you, B. Uh, Central Connecticut, you've got some trends with Merrimack as they're on the road against 5-16 and 16 Central Connecticut. You don't think there's going to be a ton of points. But how in the world is Central Connecticut favored?
2: <laughs> David, I'm not looking at the side or worrying about the side, brother. So I, I'm doing my new basketball pod for Vegas Insider. And so, uh, like three weeks ago, I was looking up, you know, the best over teams, the best under teams, and I saw Merrimack only had one over all year. So I started looking at their numbers, and they were playing that night. So I took their under, and it hit again, and it, it went on. Now, I've only been on, like, Four, four or five of them, but um, it, at the time they were on a sixteen and O run uh, to the under. They played on MLK Day, so what, uh, two Mondays ago, mm-hmm. and. That, I didn't even notice they were on the board that day, and I think it was a like an afternoon game, and it went over, but I wasn't on it. And since they came back last uh, Sunday. I took the under, and it's on a 17-1 and run. <laughs> I'm not as bullish on it tonight because this is their second lowest total of the year at 118, uh, but I'm still going to take it. Uh, like I said, it's 17-1 and last 18, and I won't bore uh, your listeners all the details, but in short... Uh, basically all of their last 12 games, or 11 of their last 12, uh, have had 119 or less. So uh, even though it's a low total,
4: that's what they do. That has to be one of the lower totals, too, in, in, oh, sure. in, in response that, to that, all of college that, that's some, That's some right.
3: Northeastern-type totals uh, right there. They I, play a lot of low-scoring games.
2: I feel like Air Force used to have some totals in the like one hundred eight to one twelve range, you know, five or six years back. But yeah, not many totals in the one right. teens these
4: days. Right. As you look at college hoops on Saturday, uh, a team that has been piquing my interest as of late is Kansas, and the uh, yeah. and the situation that they've been in over the last three games, really unable to get things going find any sort of momentum they're at Kentucky another team that had high expectations this year but have since trickled off it's kind of a a get right position for both teams Uh, but what do you like in that matchup
2: well it'll be interesting to see the line I'm gonna guess Kentucky is gonna be about a two or a three point favorite they've really righted the ship and and now look i know kansas has lost three in a row but look they've been struggling longer than three games uh prior uh to the three game losing streak uh they had won four of five but four I'm sorry. They had won five in a row, but four of the five wins had been by eleven uh, combined points. So they were just squeaking by. Probably should have lost at home to to both Iowa State and Oklahoma, but and found a way, to win by three uh, in Lubbock. Uh, only beat Oklahoma State at home by two. So I mean, they they're in a two and seven ATS slump, and uh, Kentucky is you know uh, finally you know gotten right. It started uh, with the game at Tennessee. Uh, And then they trail by eight at halftime to Georgia, but it ended up covering and winning by 14. A&M is on a roll. We saw what they did at Auburn last night. Kentucky rallies and beats them. And then they go into Vandy and and win uh, convincingly a couple of nights ago. So I think Kentucky's got to be the favorite, winning four in a row, both straight up and against the spread. And, um, you know, if Kentucky is uh, three or fewer, I might. I would lean their way. I'm not saying for sure. I'll take it, you know, as a big menu of games on Saturday.
3: Hey, so when you look at the, at Tennessee, metrics like them. Do you? Well,
2: I, I have a hard time getting that Kentucky game out of my head, and it reminded me of that round of 32 game they had against Michigan last year when I was on them big. And that Kentucky game they were losing, I kept betting them live where I only had them, you know, pick them and like minus two and – and uh, the rally never happens. Sometimes they struggle to get buckets, but man, their defense is so good. And since that Kentucky game, they've responded and dealt out three uh, pimp slaps. And last night, you know, beat Georgia by 29. Georgia had not lost by more than 14 all year long. So, um, but I, I, I don't. I still don't know that I trust Tennessee laying big numbers against elite teams. Um, you know Georgia, LSU, and Mississippi State—the last three games since Kentucky are not elite teams. So, uh, I, I guess I'm kind of hedging with you there, Damon. I, I don't necessarily trust them against big-time teams. Um, is Texas a big-time team that
3: they get Saturday? I, I don't know. Is Texas a big-time team? Oh, um, carr has been big-time. I, I do. I know that. <laughs> let me ask. Let me. Let me get you out of here. I don't like it. Let me get you out of here on this beat. How hard has the Big 12 been for you to cap, considering there are so many quality teams with similar metrics?
2: Man, it's been good to me because I've been riding K-State so much. Um, And, yeah, everybody in the Big 12 uh, is good. There are definitely uh, no easy wins, uh, that's for sure. I mean, everybody is Ken Palm top 70, and that's Texas Tech at 70, and Oklahoma's slumping bad, and they're at 52, but everybody else is top 38. So it's a great league. Um, My Gators, unfortunately, have uh, the misfortune of going to K-State on Saturday to face their old teammate, Keontae Johnson. I guess it's a great opportunity. Florida's playing a little better. I don't think they're on K-State's level, though.
0: Mm.
4: Brian, we appreciate it, man. Thanks so much. We'll talk again next week.
2: All right, fellas, y'all have a great weekend. Enjoy the NFL games. Thanks, B.
4: thank you. You as well. And uh, we hope all of you out there enjoy it too. Uh, We had a jam-packed show. We'll get to our poll results on Morning Dump next. We'll also talk a little Major League Baseball, start with the Hall of Fame there, and then maybe creep into some other sports and how the baseline and benchmarks may not be the same everywhere you go. So that's what you'll get in Morning Dump. But we thank you for joining us on Coffee and Cream, and we'll see you tomorrow.